This week on Out Now with their name, we are talking Dungeons and Dragons colon Honor Among Thieves. An enchanting podcast indeed. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, as always. This is... Abe, hello! I just rolled a seven. Aaron, how are you? I'm uh, I'm doing well. A uh, bit of a... It was a good, it was a good weekend. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, um, I'm, I'm happy with how things shook out. The way that you paused there, I was like, I'm not sure where this is going. This is I don't need to get sense. into things, but it's just, it's been a, it, you know, it's it's been a good, it's overall been a good weekend. How are go. you doing? I am doing all right. I uh, got a haircut and it was terrible and I got really upset about that. So you shaved it all off and you're bald now? I thought about it. I thought about it for a quick second. I was like, can you just like cut this all? And then I was like, no, I'm going to go to my buddy's barber and go get a haircut from him. <laughs> um, Out Now is a film podcast, <laughs> obviously. Uh, we're able to discuss new movies weekly. We dig into films. We mostly spoil for your review. The occasional commentary track or some fun, uh, some other fun movie topic. This is episode 528, 528. This is a great episode to uh, talk about Dungeons & Dragons. It really kind of takes the, the wind out of the sails when you say the name of the movie before I say the name of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing. And this week, 4528, we're discussing Dungeons & Dragons, oh. colon, Honor Among Thieves. So you said the whole title. Yeah, it's really the same thing. And this is coming after the intro where we also said this. So we've had it three times now. <laughs> um, uh, joining us to discuss Dungeons and four times Dungeons and Dragons on our book. These we have, he's a writer for the AV club and superhero hype among other publications and a level 19 warlock. It's in D and D it's Luke Thompson. Hey, I don't know if I'm level 19, but I'll take it. That's pretty high. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Abe claims he's some kind of belts in the, you know taekwondo but we I'm... all know that our resident <laughs> no. taekwondo master is adam gentry friend of the show so i'm actually just like a level one like uh uh orc or whatever yeah all the fans have left you're like a level three monk that's what i've, I've, I've a level three... yeah. yeah, i haven't really learned how to like cast anything yet i'm just like i've, I've got like a little dagger as a weapon and it's like... yeah the noise the, no- the noisy cricket that's your that's your yeah. weapon Careful. in medieval times there's a little dagger <laughs> luke how are you doing yeah luke <laughs> I'm doing good. It's been a good uh, WrestleMania weekend, so it's been like a double Super Bowl. Awesome. Double Super Bowl. I think we'll hear more about that in a second, but uh, first up, let's go through some show notes here. Uh, Let's see. New commentary track. So throughout the past few months, we've been doing a theme for our commentaries called I Love L.A., Hmm. We, like how I exclaim it every time, Abe. Like I say it the exact same beat every single time I say that. I like that you exclaim it, but I also like that you're not doing it exactly like KTLA so that we get sued. Yeah, the, the our biggest fear. Yeah. Um, so, so we've talked, done, we've done commentary tracks uh, concerning movies that are action films set in Los Angeles throughout the decade. So we started with Assault on Precinct Thirteen. Then we did Beverly Hills Cop, and just recently we did Rush Hour. And for this new month, because we're now in April, we're going to do Michael Mann's Collateral. Collateral is our next commentary to finish off mm-hmm. this uh, fun four month uh, venture. Best use of the LA uh, metro system, right? I get, I mean, yeah, because, well... I don't know any other move that uses it. Well, Speed, obviously, is the other one. Um, Lethal Weapon 3. Okay, we've named two of them. Lethal Weapon 3, yeah, yeah. There we go. 
Speed, I'm just thinking of like, well, the collateral damage involved probably didn't help anything. <laughs> like, collateral is at least contained. Yes. Yeah. Like, no well, one else. Pred- Predator 2, but it was. Predator 2, of course. Predator, no, yeah. Technically, that was like the bay, but yeah, I hear you. No, that was the future of, of, night, of um, <laughs> 1992. 1997. 1997. 1997. Yeah. So, so. Silver everything. Way different. Yeah. That's that's when Bill Paxton like. Get out of here, Harrigan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I got this. Yeah. yeah. He pr- proceeds <laughs> to get disemboweled. We, you can hear more about that in our Predator 2 commentary that we already recorded years ago. Great sound well. design during that scene. Bloop. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, in conclusion, Collateral is the next commentary. <laughs> Great. Um, all right. Um, iTunes reviews, ratings, of course. If you like this nonsense and more, you can find all our episodes over on iTunes. You can search for our show out and out there in a name. And once you find our show, you can also give us a rating review, which would be wonderful. Thank you so much in advance. Yeah. All right, let's move on now. Let's get some out of cookies. Trademark. Each week, Trademark. All right, Luke, I want to hear yes. from you. What have you watched recently? Uh, I watched Avatar The Way of Water on digital, uh, which was terrible because the stream kept derezzing it to pixelization and kept asking me if I want to not watch it in 4K, but maybe oh. HD or standard definition instead. So. Uh, wait for physical media, everyone. That's that was basically what my review ended up being. Because as much as I enjoy watching this movie for the characters and the storyline, mm-hmm. if you're watching an Avatar movie and you're not getting the full visuals, it's it's not quite right. Not gonna it's help. Not gonna yeah. satisfy a lot of people. Right. It, and it's insulting to Paya Khan. That's the biggest <laughs> problem I have with that. Paya Khan. <laughs> <sighs> well, what else have you watched, Luke? Uh, that was the most recent. Let me well, see what well, else. T- tell us about the tell other about, thing. What about <laughs> WrestleMania? Oh, I've, I mean, I've also watched Batman The Doom That Came to Gotham, an animated Batman movie that's full of Lovecraft references. That was oh. kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it started off, I was bored. I was like, oh yeah, they're doing this again. Okay, it's Victorian Batman, so here comes Victorian Penguin, Victorian Mr. Freeze, Victorian Ra's al Ghul is going to be the key to the demons, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, about halfway through, it started going insane, and it actually won me over. And I was like, okay, they went full madness. I'm into this. And it has mm-hmm. Jeffrey Combs as Man Bat. And, oh, that's fun. Uh, so it's it's one that you stick with. If it's if you're bored at the beginning, it kind of gets right. Uh, but, yeah, if you want to go back to WrestleMania, yeah, WrestleMania has been... It was pretty heavy on the wrestling this year. I expected with two days there was going to be a bunch of celebrity BS and... Mm-hmm. There wasn't much. They had The Miz get beat up twice by people who shouldn't have beat him up, including Snoop Dogg. But uh, he had a grudge to settle. That was about the the only entertainment based stuff. The matches were all really, really solid. And apparently WWE is about to get sold to the UFC. So uh, by the time this came out, this comes out, maybe that will have happened or maybe it will have been fully debunked. But uh, that's what I'm hearing. What? As long as we get more Joe Rogan in our in our areas, I think that'll oh boy, yeah, really uh, pep things up. In the like... <laughs> Clearly, fear is not a factor for you. Uh-huh. <laughs> I forgot Man. about that show. I forgot. Did he did he co-host that with somebody? No, he hosted. Yeah, he was he was the he was sole host, the only yeah. guy. Okay, with the man the show, you, when, when he when he took over on the man show, you needed two hosts because obviously, but for <laughs> fear factor, obviously. For a fear factor, one host only. That's how we roll there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, is is WrestleMania normally two days or is it? 
Uh, it is now. Ever okay. since they started two days in the pandemic, and uh-huh. they seem to have stuck to it because it sells them twice the tickets at exorbitant prices, and yeah. it seems to do it because the pay-per-view rates don't matter because it's all on Peacock now. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it seems like moving forward, two days is going to be it. But at least this year, that was mostly packed with pretty good matches. Although on day two. It ended early, obviously, because I'm here earlier than I anticipated being. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was clear one of the matches must have ended early, and they started mm-hmm. trying to fill it with video packages that were desperately thrown together. But okay. uh, that was still fun. It was, uh, you know, what can I say? I'm I'm biased. I all, This is like my Super Bowl party yeah. every year. And uh, I, you know, I didn't have, I didn't have a rooting interest in the main event. They have a big storyline going with Cody Rhodes because he's Dusty Rhodes' son and Dusty Rhodes never won the WWE world title, even mm-hmm. though he's an icon. He won many other wrestling titles and they had Cody Rhodes lose, which is kind of like, on the one hand, WWE can be that petty that he, yeah, I was like, what WWE a deflating a young, ending. He left WWE as a, as a young guy, and then he mm-hmm. made him, became a star in AEW, and now he's back. And on the one hand, they can be this petty and say, you know, okay, we're smacking you down. You're not ready for that yet. But uh, on the other hand, they also have, you know, Roman Reigns as part of a dynasty, as part of the same family as The Rock and the Wild right. Samoans and all of those. So they're... And he probably doesn't have that many years in him because he's a leukemia survivor. He's immune compromised and uh, he's still great in the ring, but he has a limited schedule. So they probably want to just keep him around as long as they have him, which won't be, I think, a ton of years as an active competitor, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Well, I can understand why they air these matches on a TNT because they know drama. <laughs> uh, they don't, they don't though. That's AEW. So, <laughs> well, well, either way, way. for the AW, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Aaron, you know what you are, Aaron? You're TBS. You're very funny. Thank you. <laughs> and that's why we do this on this. That's how we do this commentary in the say in this podcast in the USA because characters are welcome. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but what have you seen recently? <laughs> I, I actually kind of want to go off on this riff, but I don't remember anything else. Like, I don't remember AMC's tagline. Well, there's just one Fox. <laughs> Uh, I watched 1001. This is a movie that um, uh, won Grand Jury Prize over at Sundance uh, back in the early part of the year. I think you talked about this last week, Aaron. I uh, I didn't. I talked about it when Sundance came out, but I was going to mention oh, it this week. Yeah. <laughs> well, here we go. Here we are just talking about it. Um, I think it's a, a pretty good film. I don't know if it's uh, going to be... It didn't really hit me the way that maybe some other movies uh, talking about this kind of hit me. Um, this is about a movie about a single mother that is basically just going through gentrification of New York um, in various spots, specifically Brooklyn, uh, moving up to Harlem, and then going out into Queens. Um, And I really do like Tiana Taylor's performance in here. This is a movie by Avery Rockwell, who wrote and directed it. Um, Tiana Taylor's performance in here is very good, and I really enjoy when she is having, I guess, serious discussions with her son about just um, being a hard mom and kind of... uh, what she's expecting of her son uh, and how he uh, should be growing up and, and being paying, paying attention to school. I think kind of where some of the things sort of, not that it it, it is um, distracting from it, but I think what the other things that she, that A.B. Rockwell is trying to do with New York and how it's changing over the, the time period of 1984 through 2007 is, 
is good, but it doesn't really delve into it too much. Um, and I wish that it did because I think that was a, a huge point for her that she wanted to make of just the city that is changing, um, you know, on the inside and the outside and how that has hurt communities that used to be super tight knit, like back in Harlem or in other parts of New York and how that has sort of uh, changed through the course of, I guess, in this to today's state, uh, to today's standard, like 24 some odd years. So 26 some odd years. So yeah, uh, it's a good movie. I, I don't know if it's going to make my top 10 per se, but um, I enjoy the performances for sure. I think something that is very akin to this about just a, a lapse of time and kind of seeing people grow up, you know, I, I did think about Moonlight a lot and how that movie was very charged with a lot of different things, but not really like, not really putting it into light per se, like upon deeper analysis, you'd kind of get the whole entire background of, you know, Sharon and his mother, but also like his father figures and the community with Miami and the, the Afro-Cuban um, uh, folks over there as well. But yeah, I, I liked 2001, uh, especially as it got going in like the second act of this movie. I would just uh, add that, um, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, that uh, I, yeah, I wouldn't say it's like high to me as like the last man in San Francisco, black, black man in San Francisco or blind spotting as far as the way it balances themes of gentrification as well as the yeah. character stuff goes. But I still thought it was the best one I saw at Sundance and certainly would recommend it. I think that um, and another film I mentioned are the two best films that came out this week and uh, mm-hmm. certainly worthwhile. Also great score in the it is. Yeah. Uh, by Gary, you... Gary Gunn. I really like the score in that. Movie. Yeah. And stay for the credits. They have really good score, a really good piece in the, in the credits as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, 1001, that was the uh, main thing that I watched this week. Does the title connect to the Arabian Nights at all? Almost. What, what, I mean, one she, would hope. Yeah, <laughs> she does read a lot of books to her son, but no, it's it's uh, it's their apartment number. Okay. That's it, Dave? Yeah, that's it. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, I was going to mention that. I haven't watched it again. as I've only seen it the once in Sundance, mm-hmm. but I do certainly recommend it. That and the movie Rye Lane, which is uh, now on Hulu. Uh, those are That's a London-based it's weird to say rom-com because it's about two people that broke up and then just kind of connect over the fact that they both just broke, just recently got out of relationships. Uh-huh. Um, but it's very good, very fun, very stylish, um, like 80 something minutes that and thousand one are the two best movies that opened this week. I think they're both very good and very well worth your time. Um, as far as new things that I've seen, um, I watched the entire first season of the Netflix series, maybe limited series, but beef um, oh, okay. with, with Stephen Yun and Amy Wong. Mm-hmm. Um, Ali Wong. Out, sorry, Ali Wong. It's like a Futurama. Um, <laughs> um, uh, this this show is kind of nuts um, in a good way. Yeah. Uh, it's about two people that get into a road rage incident, and it just spirals out of control from there as they try to perform a series of one-upsmanships on each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I think it's it's quite clever. It's quite funny. And also quite tragic in terms of all the things that take place over the course of the 10 episodes presented here. Uh, both actors are very strong in these roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, a solid supporting cast kind of emerges from all this as well. Um, as far as kind of Netflix series that just come out of nowhere, like, oh, this is a thing. Uh, I quite enjoyed it. Uh, I think it, I believe it premieres this week, um, April 6th, when it drops on Netflix. So it, it certainly, if you're, if you're a fan of those actors or just Road Rage Gone Wild, um <laughs> this is this is a show for you. <laughs> also, didn't Marvel just hire the writer to punch up Thunderbolts? I believe so, yes. Yeah. Hmm. Um, let's see what else. Uh I say so I watched a documentary called Golden Era, 
this is a documentary about the making of the video game GoldenEye 007 for the oh, Nintendo wow. 64. Um, <laughs> as a child of the 90s who had a Nintendo 64, even if you didn't, doesn't matter. I very much played a lot of GoldenEye in my day, <laughs> um, and I'm a huge fan of that game. Yeah, little movie, and so seeing a documentary focused on the making of the game and how it became this thing, uh, pretty cool. Um, it's not a very flashy doc, although they do edit in a lot of footage of the game and like kind of juxtaposed with things that people are saying. Mm-hmm. It doesn't hurt that the creators of the game, like a lot of the faces in the game, are modeled off of their faces. Like one of the guys is named Doctor Doke, is actually a guy named Doctor Doke who created the game. Don't mm. create the game. Uh, it's like neat to see like the game being interspersed with the with this doc and like people talking about like you know where it came from the success and what have you um but again if you're a gamer you just like goldeneye like another one that's just worth your time i saw it on canopy so it's just really easy to watch oh cool yeah the library service yeah uh so it's totally like house of the dead then yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) uh let's see a thing that i watched that it wasn't good uh murder mystery 2 um okay I didn't have many good things to say about the first murder mystery. It feels like that movie got a pass, and it's like, well, we like them, but it's fine. As a, I think that's because so many of the Sandler Netflix productions are awful. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. so that one's like, I guess this is better than those. Therefore, yes. Um, I'm not going to say this is necessarily awful either. Neither of them are awful, but I'm not going to give them the pass either because this, they're just nothing. They're nothing movies. And especially mm-hmm. in a realm where it's like Knives Out exists, watching Murder Mystery 2 is like, uh, like both of these are on Netflix. Like you can choose one and they're both still free. You can just not watch the other. So <laughs> like, that seems like a better benefit than, than watching both of them for the sake of completionism. Um <laughs> So yeah, there's I I didn't get anything out of Murder Mystery Two, uh, a movie that appeared in the same span of time that Adam Sandler received a Mark Twain Award for comedy. Um, it's really fun to think about, <laughs> and I certainly like my you know I, I like the Sandman. I'm not thinking it's him, but uh, yeah. this is not a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> I too saw Murder Mystery Two. I like bits of it. I bits of it I, are good, sure. <laughs> I thought the whole van chase thing where they're fighting inside the van not very well. And then trying to stop it from crashing was kind of well done. And it made me wish that they'd gone full Shane Black and made it an action comedy instead yeah. of trying to make it a murder mystery comedy, which it is not. Because they drop maybe two clues to the identity of the killer the entire time in the whole runtime of the movie. And uh, but it's and it's a kidnapping movie. It's mystery. It's not a murder mystery. Yeah. But uh, kidnapping <laughs> mystery just isn't alliterative, I guess. <laughs> it, it feels like when like Jackie Chan would name films like police story because he just, he didn't want like people to know what he was up to. So he just made it mm-hmm. generic as possible, except in those movies, they rock and it doesn't really matter where this is like, you, yeah. you're, you've you've, you, your first movie, you solved a murder and then you've given up everything to just continue doing that and do it poorly. And now you have a whole second film where it's based around not really a murder mystery. I just, it's just, it just feels so, so belabored uh, as far as what Sam was doing with these. In another perfect example of, hey, we took a vacation and we, we made a movie. Yeah. Um, there are, I can't even talk about the cast, but there are certain casting choices where you're like, well, yeah, they did it. Like, I mean, there's not, there's no mystery here. <laughs> you, this is a girl, the dragon tattoo territory. 
Yeah, basically. <laughs> Why is Stellan Skarsgård in this movie? <laughs> Abe, if you like thought a few other names in your mind about who we could put, like you would guess it. Like, yeah, you, yeah. Would, you would you would figure that out very quickly. <laughs> Got it. Okay. <laughs> as far as popular names of villains and actors. <laughs> um, I also saw The Lost King. This is a better movie. Um, it's from the team behind Philomania. Sorry, Philomena. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephen Frears. Uh, Steve Coogan and his co-writer, whose name I forget, it's like Jeff something, I believe. Oh, that's going to bug me. Um, uh, but this is um, about an actual thing that happened in like 2012, where like an amateur historian played by Sally Hawkins in this movie uh, decided to research the re- finding the remains of Richard III, like mm-hmm. King Richard III, um, and basically was successful in varying degrees and it, you kind of see how this story comes together i had no idea about this because i don't just take my time to look at british history all that often let alone recent british history uh jeff pope is the name of the other co-writer and uh, i like I, yeah i uh i like this movie i i, I liked philomate Phil, <laughs> he did it now i do it i liked philomena quite a bit and i was okay. happy that they all got back together made another movie like this where it's kind of like mostly a drama has some bits of comedy mm-hmm. uh tells an interesting story that i just didn't know about uh, it was good stuff, The Lost yeah. King. I enjoyed it. Uh, a couple of older movies I wanted to mention real quick, too. Um, sometimes when we review movies on this show, because I've seen them in advance, I watch the movie again to mm-hmm. be like fresh on it before the episode. I didn't do that, though, but instead I watched Dragon Slayer uh, this week, oh, okay. uh, which got a new 4K release. Uh, Dragon Slayer, a Disney slash Paramount co-production from the early 80s, featuring uh, uh, young Peter McNichol in his first role. Uh, as like an amateur magician who goes after a dragon and uh, i haven't seen this movie in i'm gonna say decades uh but the dragon in this movie fucking rules (laughs) verifax uh uh, it's it's a great dragon design it's really really cool and very cool to see like presented in this fancy new 4k presentation he buried the lead by not mentioning vermithrax's surname pejorative vermithrax pejorative yes it's a it's a killer name (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but yeah, I'm a, I I, re- I really enjoyed the uh, just seeing this dragon like and just how it's made and everything. Cool. Um, and then I also watched a movie called Martin, uh, not to be confused with the Martin Lawrence TV show. Martin Fox no, TV show. No, they, they did not make a cinematic feature of it yet. Um, George Romero Martin. George, this is George Romero's Martin, which has been like not easy to watch for a lot, or at least in a good quality for a long time. But uh, thankfully, Second Sight has released a new 4K. Mm of martin fully restored and it's a really cool movie <laughs> it's very it's romero like right in his peak because it's like late 70s romero and it's about a young man who basically acts like a vampire uh huh, what but because it's you know basically a normal human it's very brutal to see something like that being enacted um but it's it's a pretty like small scale flick but it's just it's got this creepy mood and it's just really well done. Uh, yeah, I, I was, I, this is another one I haven't seen in a long, long time, let alone in a, you know, good quality. So I was very happy to see just like a fully restored Romero movie hmm. uh, looking as good as it does like this and just watching it. So yeah, big, big fan of watching Martin. Right. So yeah, a lot of stuff there, but um, that's out of quickies. Trailer break. Let's move on now. Let's get to our trailer talk. We're talking about some of the movies, tra- new movie, newest movie trailers of the week, when they're coming out, what we thought of, and what have you. And this week, we have the latest film from director Wes Anderson, Asteroid <laughs> City, starring a lot of people. Schwartzman, Johansson, Hanks, Wright, 
Swinton, Cranston, Norton, Brody, Schreiber, Davis, Park, Friend, Hawk, Carell, Dylan, Chow, Defoe, Roby, Revolori, Goldblum, Lillis, Stevens, Wilson, Cocker, and Bob Balaban. <laughs> Thank you for going through all of them. I don't know. I didn't know when you were going to stop, but I was like, I'm glad that you went through everybody. I love that you specified Bob Balaban too. Like, <laughs> because so he's all, he he's, wasn't Steve. Balaban. I mean, there's too many Balabans <laughs> in Hollywood. Because <laughs> he's all of our friends. <laughs> um, the the basics of this plot it's set in the 50s there are people that have traveled across the country for some kind of competition uh in the like junior stargazer convention i believe i saw a sign for um in some like fictional american desert town all of that in mind uh luke we shoot to you first here are you uh, looking forward to wes anderson's latest somewhat i mean it's interesting every time i see there's a new wes anderson trailer i'm like What's he going to do this time? Is he going to do something new, something different? And then I watch it. It's like, no, he's not. He's doing the thing that everyone's making fun of him for, and he's going to keep doing it. Uh, but, you know, I'm a bit of a sucker for this. I live, one of my residences is in Joshua Tree. You know, I've stopped at Racer Road many times on the way to Las Vegas on the alien jerky place. So the whole <laughs> desert alien vibe thing is quite familiar to me and feels you know like home in a weird sense so i'm totally down for it at the same time i would like wes anderson at some point to try something different just to do it and see what happens hey, how about you? yeah i'm looking forward to it i'm a big wes anderson fan i agree with luke that i'm curious to see what he might be doing differently in this one and this is co-written with his buddy uh, roman coppola uh, wait is uh is uh what's his face in this are the boys in this um which boys uh the uh, will owen wilson and uh, his brother luke the wilsons do not appear to be in this what but rita wilson is oh okay not, well I'll not connected that. yeah oh, see, that's what confused me you, you specified bob balaban but then you just said wilson <laughs> so i assumed owen I, at first, I meant the volleyball. There's a lot of connections <laughs> oh. <laughs> going on. Tom Hanks' best friend, Wilson, the volleyball, and his yeah. wife, Rita Wilson, got it. Wait, did they name the volleyball after Rita Wilson? Do we know this? <laughs> did they really? No. I don't know, but I just, it, was... it just occurred to me when you said that. Yeah, they created no. the brand years ago <laughs> as, a, as a part of a long con. <laughs> yeah. I but didn't the quite looks... mean that. I mean for the movie, but still. That'd be a, a huge tie-in. That'd be hilarious. It's just, you know, a great Easter egg to to find out. We should actually you should you should you can type something up to him on a typewriter. I'm sure I'm sure he'll respond. I can't use a typewriter. Too much arthritis in my hands. <laughs> uh, but as far as like the trailer goes, I'm I'm a big fan of Wes Anderson. I like his stuff. I'm curious to see what he is going to be doing in this one. I mean, aside from like quirky uh, dialogue and really you know, structured shots and a, a different color palette. Uh, I am curious to see if he's going to be trying something out in this. Um, we've seen him try some stuff out. French Dispatch, I think that uh, was kind of a mixed bag. I enjoyed it. Um, and then Grand Budapest was like a really strong story. Um, in between that was Isle of Dogs, which was stop motion. So yeah, we'll see what happens here, but uh, I'm excited for it. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm a Wes Anderson fan. He's got a new movie coming out, and I'm happy to see it. Whether or not he evolves dramatically or, you know, in a minor fashion, it doesn't really bother me. He makes yeah. movies that entertain me quite a bit. Um, being written, co-written by Roman Coppola, um, they've worked together a few times. This does feel in line with something like Moonrise Kingdom, based on what I'm seeing so far, which is, that's mm -hmm. another one that's solely Anderson Coppola written. So I'm curious if it kind of aligns with that sort of 
tone, which I think has a little more sentiment in it than some other Anderson films. Sure. Um, but regardless, I mean, big old cast, asteroid, like the the setting, like you mentioned, Luke, I do think that's intriguing to me, just being familiar with that kind of environment. So, yeah, no, I'm certainly curious. Looking forward to it. Is, is Desplat? Yeah, Desplat's on the music. Good. Yes. Yeah. Desplat, he's back. Yeah. I'm down. <laughs> I, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I want, you know, this giant cast. I'm curious how some of these people function that haven't been with uh, Anderson before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Putting Tom Hanks in here, who may or may not be in the role that Bill Murray would normally occupy. Uh, we'll find out, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. I will say I do think French Dispatch was a bit of a, an expansion for him because sure. it was like it was like he took the notion of Pulp Fiction, but instead of Pulp Fiction stories, it was New Yorker stories, and I thought <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's kind of cool. That's kind of clever. Right. Yeah. Well, we'll all find out what's happening here. Uh, June sixteenth this summer, coming up, Asteroid City arrives. All right. So with that out of the way, let's get to our main review for Dungeons and Dragons: colon, Honor Among Thieves. Here's the thing. We're a team of thieves. And when you do this, you're bound to make enemies. Sometimes those enemies come looking for revenge. Truth be told, we help the wrong person steal the wrong thing. We didn't mean to unleash the greatest evil the world has ever known. But we're gonna fix it. So how do we pull that off? Uh... Figure it out over a drink? Probably best. You need to Then give us a fighting chance. We're gonna need strength. You got this, right? I know you don't. We also need courage. Magic. And you. What is that again? It's now there. That should have been some of the trailer for Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. Uh, this uh, brand has been around a while. Uh, the famed tabletop RPG has had comic books, video games, an animated television series, baseball cards, two animated movies, and of course, the 2000 movie featuring Jeremy Irons as a character who exclaims, let their blood rain from the sky. <laughs> Fast forward to now. Who directed have... video sequels on that one, too? I there believe. are, yeah. That's right. Fast forward. To... I thought my Jeremy Irons was pretty good, by the way. Fast yeah, forward to now. I didn't, want to, I didn't want to inflate your ego too much. <laughs> and you have directors Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly, the team behind Game Night and one of the drafts of Spider-Man Homecoming, proving their geek cred with this new D&D feature. In it... Chris Pine, Michelle Rodriguez, Justice Smith, and Sophia Lillis are on a quest to recover a magical thing to stop a smarmy Hugh Grant and his evil red wizard from doing something dastardly. During these travels, Pine and company will encounter fantastical creatures, a chunky dragon, and a smoldering Regigene page. Luke, what was your excitement level for this new D&D, and what did you think of the film? Well, I don't know that my excitement level was particularly high. I'd love to know, by the way, um, once you guys talk after me what your experience is with D to begin with mine is is minimal my mother when i was a kid wanted to steer me towards D, which is probably the opposite experience a lot of kids had because <laughs> she thought that rather than having action figures based on licensed movies 
that D&D would stimulate my imagination and be more creative. Uh, I got as far as uh, creating a character, I think. I never actually played a campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, at one point, she was going to buy me a lot of metal miniatures, and I got to the point where I thought about it, and then I was like, no, I'd rather spend my money on Star Wars stuff. Mm-hmm. So, uh, D&D, let alone wrestling. Yeah. So I wasn't a big D&D guy, but I always loved the fantasy vibe. And uh, in terms of my excitement level, I the Led Zeppelin song was actually kind of off-putting to me but uh all these things are interesting and when i heard the buzz out of south by southwest even though audiences out of south by southwest tend to be drunk and give everything a standing ovation (laughs) if they're they're showing this this early there's a level of confidence that uh is above and beyond what i would expect for this kind of movie so Mm -hmm. that gave me the confidence that there was something going to be something worthwhile in this what'd you think of the movie I enjoyed it a lot. I think, it, I mean, it reminded me of, you know, seeing things like The Princess Bride when I was a kid, which didn't have the budget to show this kind of stuff. And I think, um, you know, like Time Bandits, I think this could be a formative thing for a lot of kids that are growing up right now. And I love the way they spent their money. It didn't feel like it was in the volume. It felt felt like they spread it around so I felt like I was in a real expansive world that if I went beyond the boundaries of the camera frame, there'd be something else cool to see. And they were really obviously drawing on years of these games and years of these creatures. Uh, So the world building I think is excellent. And the way the characters were drawn, it was like they did their best to have a character based on every kind of player, particularly when uh, Zenk, the reggae Jean Page character, the paladin, at a certain point, he explains the rules of a trap and they're so ridiculously convoluted. It was Uh like when you would have that super anal nerd dungeon master who would decide he was cleverer than everybody else and come up with this ridiculous thing that you couldn't beat unless Mm -hmm. you threw the dice perfectly. And then the movie kind of tosses it out, which is fun. Uh, but yeah, I really, I thought it came together very well. The humor doesn't take away from the world. It doesn't make the world ridiculous. It, it's a very nice balance of tones and a very impressive feat overall. And I'm really interested to see how it does because they're opening it right before, they're opening it sort of opposite John Wick and then right before Mario, which seems almost suicidal, but Hmm. uh, the responses I've heard have been so positive that maybe it'll have legs. I don't know. I really hope so. Mm -hmm. Well, just to put some perspective on that, we're talking on Sunday evening. The film received an A- Cinema score and opened to 38.5 million in the U.S., 71 worldwide so far. Um, I believe that's a little bit above expectation, which is good and certainly seems like audiences are liking the film so yeah there's things around it but we'll see how it legs out in the the weeks to come um that's it abe yeah where are you with dungeons and dragons what do you think of this movie uh i played it in dungeons and dragons before i played it a couple times really fun stuff um i enjoy uh things like harmon quest and uh just the way that they've been able to sort of like modify a, a very lengthy game into like a 25 minute you know of cartoon comedy um and kind of just like if you want to just casually watch along you could totally understand what they're doing without having to go through everything that sort of um luke was talking about with a lot of dungeon master explaining things and jargon or what have you so the, the game is actually pretty fun and pretty 
cool once you start to get the hang, the hang of it. Um, as far as like the movie goes, I enjoyed this movie too. I, I thought that it was a really fun movie. Like I, I had, I think I had like very like tempered or even like low expectations when we talked about the trailer. I was like, oh no, like if they do this, like hope it, hope that they kind of go a little bit weird and, and wonky on it. And while they didn't go necessarily like weird and wonky, like too, too far uh, off the beaten path, um, they did invest in like what Lucas talking about practical effects. Uh, so you do see a lot of like Jonathan and these other characters that look like they are, they, they actually are there uh, because they, they built models for them. And I, I had the same thought. I, I thought, oh, this could be a very formative thing for young kids who watch this. Uh, very similar and akin to when we were growing up and maybe watched like The Dark Crystal or Labyrinth or what have you, where it was like, oh, this is a weird and wonky, but also I enjoy seeing this type of like fantastical stuff or even like something like, um, uh, what's the movie where Tim Curry plays like the devil legend? Legend. Um, yeah, where he's like coming out of a mirror and you're just like, how do they do this? You know, like this guy looks incredible. Um, but yeah, I thought that this movie was pretty fun. I thought that they, th- there was probably more Easter eggs in here than I, than I would have caught on to. Cause I'm just a fairly like novice, like ultra casual player. Um, but I'm sure that there were a lot of really fun things and I'm, I'm really just overall glad that there wasn't at one point, just like a sequence where it's like, Oh no, we've got to play this game in which they've got to like roll some dice and then things will happen. It's like, I'm glad that they didn't kind of go that kind of, um, on the nose about it so yeah i I enjoyed it for uh its uh characterization of the game i really enjoyed that they kind of built up relationships and and so that you could kind of just follow all these people along and kind of uh have some some heartstrings pulled at times where i I knew that they were pulling them but they still got me and probably just because of a a visual montage and i i laughed quite a bit you know there's like funny dialogue in here but there's also like really fun cameos um and I, i overall just I think everybody is kind of aware of the movie that they're making. They did do the game a little bit when they had the people gambling on the folks. This is true. Yeah. That was was the closest they got. But yeah, I have next to no experience of Dungeons and Dragons. Like everything I know about it comes from just like cultural osmosis as far as knowing things that I can recognize about the game. I've never played it myself. I've been told multiple times that I'd be a great dungeon master. Um, so that's that's the closest questionable that's that's i believe it so (laughs) um but um you know coming into this i had no frame of reference as far as what i was going to expect and like the trailer that had been coming out really weren't doing much for me because it's just it felt like it's does this work (laughs) are we just we're just using the ip to just see what we can come up with here uh but certainly you know the the buzz earlier the past the last month that helped uh that helped in kind of raising expectations and so finally going in to see this movie um i was i wouldn't say i was surprised because at that point like the buzz was handled in a certain way where it's like i feel like i know what i'm going to expect but i was certainly happy that it worked out the way it did like this feels like a very confident film um with a very strong cast and knows how to have the sort of fun that I would want to have in a world like this in the same manner that like you, you mentioned Luke, something like princess bride or stardust. I think mm-hmm. it kind of, it's knowing enough without like beating you over the head with how self-aware it's trying to be. Like it has this reverence to it that I think works in its favor. Um, and it's doing so without feeling like the Marvel approach to like the sense of humor um, as far as just not engaging with the wonder of it all at all. I, I think there is the level of, 
just value and seeing the way these characters respond to the world around them that can be funny sure but also still has a sense of excitement because you're seeing cool magic stuff or creatures that are either just interesting looking or you know threatening in some way um this cast is really strong uh i can't emphasize that enough i think that's like such a big key to this movie where they all work really well together and we can talk more about the individual performances as we go but i do think there's just so much good chemistry coming off of this group uh that it just makes a lot of it work really well i think as far as the world building goes yeah i think the visual effects are just really well utilized it doesn't feel like it's overflowing with just cg nonsense it feels like there's choices being made as to what to deploy and when and even not being a D player i liked that i could tell this felt like a film made by people that cared where there's just stuff all over the place that i'm sure like is recognized or easily understood as an easter egg by others regardless of how much i get it which is good in itself because that means the movie's not dependent on certain things to make people happy. It's dependent on just being a good movie, um, which is, I think, what excels here. It's a little too long, but I do think it overall just works um, the way a movie like this, I think, should work at this time. In terms of the confidence of direction that you mentioned, there's one action sequence with the shape-shifting druid where she's escaping and keeps changing into things that is, I think, incredible and a model for how an action sequence for somebody with superpowers should be done. Sure. Mm -hmm. You know, speaking on that, the action sequences too, I thought that they're very legible as well. Um, you could definitely tell that these guys weren't just like in the editing room kind of putting things together. There were probably stand-ins that were athletic enough to do sword play or what have you. And so in turn, it, you were able to see that there are some good action sequences going on. And, you know, just in terms of sort of jumping off of what Luke was saying there, there is a sequence in here that I thought was like, this is an incredible use of uh, everybody's abilities at, at any given time fighting against a, a dark force. It's like, this is something that we don't really see too much of because it always has to be like, well, here's Captain America coming in and doing his thing. And now here's Thor doing his thing. It's like, yeah, but what if they all just like, you know, in Avengers, the 2012 movie, like what if they all just decided to like, you know, go gung ho against something? And I thought that was a really cool, effective use of it. Um, I would uh, I would say at their best, the Avengers movies, they do find a way to like combine powers and cool sure. moments or whatnot. But I, I hear what you're saying, because I think this movie, for one thing, I think it gets better as it goes along. And I think yeah. part of that comes from the way it structures its action. I do think the action <laughs> sequences are, are well thought out and emphasize what matters in a Dungeons and Dragons campaign teamwork. I think that's a huge part of how the action is displayed here, very on purpose. Uh, you know, it's not just like Chris Pine uses, you know, his his loot, or Richard Page just gets to sword fight a bunch of people. Yeah. Like there's neat ways to approach it. Almost, I mean, there's a, there is a heist element to this, and that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Like you know, everyone plays their role, and I think that factors into yeah, both obviously heist related sequences, but also yeah, the action as well. Like it is thought out in a manner that's like we're in a fantasy movie and yet we have like pieces in play that make a lot of sense as to why they're here yeah and you know sort of like taking a step back and third personing it that's kind of the game too right so it's like hey this person like sophie lois's character she's a really good she's a shapeshifter so if in the game you're like well i decide to turn into a snake to burrow into this thing here and then i rolled the dice and you know so that it, it's taking that element to it so again not very handholdy. I think something that you said earlier too, Aaron, that I agree with, which is um, 
well, I think maybe both of you guys said it, where you, you kind of just jumped into this world. Like there's not really like a whole lot of like, and this is the land of like the 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 uh the dwarves, or like this is the land of all like the um I don't even know what Michelle Rodriguez's character is. Uh, She's a barbarian. Yeah, barbarian. But this is like the land of the barbarians. It's like, you know, I forget the name that they comes from, but there's no real explanation of that. You're just like, this is just who they are right now. And it, there is exposition here. There is like a lot of exposition. Yeah, you, you learn enough what you have, what you need exactly. in the moment. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There's a very sort of Rick and Morty kind of vibe for one of a better <laughs> term when there's when they come across like a family of cat people who have a child that got lodged in the throat of a giant fish. It's like, they don't need to explain that. It's just a cat kid got lodged in a giant fish. And yeah, there you go. It gets rescued and the mom hugs the little kitty. And then yeah. my wife goes, Oh, yeah, exactly. And I was like, Oh, wow. I didn't know that there was something in that fish's throat. <laughs> I, I do like standing off that. I, I do like, and what you were saying, Abe, that the, I like how the rules of magic work in this movie. Like it is, it's not overly complicated. And I just, I feel like I got it, which is nice. Like I don't feel like I'm doing any homework here to like catch up with how D and D works. I feel like it, it establishes its sense of rules well enough where I, I can engage with what's going on and not try to like, feel like I'm trying to keep up. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where they were smart about it. You know, the judge Francis daily and his writing partner um, where they were just like, we have to make this accessible, right? Like it can't just be super inside baseball for only the people that really like D and D. It has to just all of a sudden be like what you said, a heist movie that is built around D and D, you know, and that's what makes it. What was like a movie where we we're talking about? Because I thought about the heist thing too. And we there was like a movie that we reviewed where it was like, why don't you guys just go further into like the heist of this? Because that was actually the man. Yes, yeah, like that's the more interesting thing. Just make this a heist movie where I have to go inside the quantum, quantum, quantum realm to figure out this thing here instead of me being like getting explained by everything while everyone sits on a ship, you know, so. Want to talk about some of these performances? Sure. Um, I'll just go out and say, it. I think Hugh Grant is great in this movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, we can talk about the rest of these guys. Yeah, yeah. But like whatever Hugh Grant's been doing recently, like where he just kind of pops in for a few scenes and just makes the most out of them. I just really like it. And I think yeah. he's really fun in this movie as like, I guess a villain, but more of like a guy that's just annoyed by things and wants gold and is kind of a dick. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's like his whole thing. And it's really effective. <laughs> it's very fun. It's very fun to see him. I think a friend of the show, uh, uh, Mark Hoffmeyer was writing something about it too. Just, you know, he Grant being like this weird, uh, not weird, but like just a, 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 a smarmy villain is fun. It's fun to see like Paddington too. He, he mentioned, and yeah, it's good to see Hugh Grant kind of just like hamming it up on screen. Again, everybody here knows what movie that they're making. Nobody here is like really outside of the, the realm of like, Oh, well I'm taking this too seriously or too jokingly. So it's, it's good to see. Luke, any characters you want to, or actors you want to highlight here? Yeah. I want to single out uh, Daisy head who is uh, Anthony head's daughter who plays the red oh. wizard. Oh, um, she is she is terrifying yeah um, and it, it's enhanced by cg but the faces she does and the way she performs this otherworldly villain who talks to demons that may show up in whatever sequel happens if it does mm -hmm. she is the sort of thing that gives kids nightmares but in a good way where they sort of want to go back and see it and see her get beaten again and again it's like some of the scary, scarier stuff I remember in movies like Dragon Slayer. Uh -huh. um, so I and 
I think also she comes into this as one of the few actors that we don't already know. So yeah. Yeah. as a blank slate, um, she can be much more easily, you know, read as her character, but she is an effective nightmarish wizard that you believe could end the world. So I, I really do want to single her out as great. Yeah. And really a good, good use of like uh, fl- flowy fog red CG uh, really helps out. And just like a feels like a capable threat as far as you know how do how can all you know four of these people need to fight one person at yeah. a point? And I I like that it makes sense in how they're conveying that. Right. Yeah. Uh, another person to single out, Michelle Rodriguez. I I'm I'm kind of just always on the whole entire like I like seeing her in movies, but also I don't think that she's really like the best actor in the movie. And in this one, it's like, oh, they actually kind of made her sort of like a core component of this so that a lot of like the emotional beats are kind of centered around her. And I was like, I I actually dig this, you know? Uh, like she and Chris Pine have like a really good like brother-sister chemistry going on here. Yeah. And, and I thought that there was a well-utilization of Michelle Rodriguez's like more quietish demeanor. So you're not asking her to do too much but she's doing enough so that it actually carries the movie as well. I, I like that she was calibrated enough to feel different from, you know, just being like a, another version of Letty in Fast and yes, Furious. I exactly. think there's, there's, she's more in line with like Drax, if anything, um, as far as what she's doing in this movie, which I yeah. appreciated. Yeah. It's also so rare. You see platonic leads like that. Like, yeah. Considering they are both coded as mother and father figures, mm-hmm. you sort of, would expect in another movie that eventually they would figure out they're the perfect couple for each other, but they're not because she has a fetish for tiny people. (laughs) And it's very clear that he is not her type and never will be. Right. Yeah. Never will be. I think Uh, obviously Chris Pine is very good in this movie. Yeah. Uh, I I was going to say like, without question, I think he's probably like my favorite Chris uh, of the four Chris's. He certainly keeps finding arguments uh, to, to excel in the Chris wars that have gone on for years at this point. Um, But no, he's, he has that perfect kind of, charming scoundrel thing very much down yeah here. that's it right and i do shit it and grin too i do like that because like when you're the lead you can sometimes be the you know by default the boring character compared to the others and others are more flashy than you mm-hmm. and that doesn't i don't think that he's not necessarily flashy here but he's not even as like a straight arrow like there's just something there where he's bringing that much more to it that makes it stand yeah, out right. in a way where it's not overtaking the movie but you just really like seeing this guy and yeah, I, I, I don't think that, I don't think that's easy to pull off. No, yeah, and, and he's kind of layering on from uh, things that we've seen from what was that movie with Oprah and um, with Oprah? Sorry. Yeah, no. Oh, 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 oh. Where oh, he's the, like the dad, the, the wrinkle, wrinkle in time, wrinkle in time. Yeah, where, where like, he played, you know, um, where he played in the hotline, hotline bling video. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where he's <laughs> got to get out of the music video and get better his daughter Storm Reed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Chris Pine is bringing a lot to this, and I think that what makes his character much more charming is sort of like, yes, he is like this. He He's a good enough actor where it's like when he turns on his dramatic stuff, it's good to see it, you know? And the other person I thought that could maybe be in this role, um, not that, that I think that they're interchangeable. They're the same is, is just that James Marsden would also be somebody that'd be like, Oh, I could see where James Marsden kind of fits into this type of role as well. It's a character role that's put as a positioned as a lead, which is what makes it good. I think. Mm-hmm. For sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, question for you guys, just around um, all of the board game ish type elements and 
while they were very hidden, like, did you guys enjoy things like what um, uh, Luke was saying about, well, there was like this, this weird chess piece or like there's like a, a, a Gordo dragon or there's like a wand that Justice uh, Smith, Justice Smith, by the way, also pretty good in this. Like probably my my other favorite Justice Smith role, minus uh, aside from um, Detective, Detective Pikachu. Uh, but yeah, where it's just like, oh, he he finds a wand and it actually creates teleportation. Like, what do you guys think of the 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 loose pieces of board game magic that are happening here in this movie? I I like that it it kept expanding in a way that didn't feel like we're going too far with this stuff. It felt like, okay, we're you need to get this helmet and now you got to get this. Like it just, the way it kind of kept throwing things at you, it didn't feel like it was overwhelming or was doing too much. That's mm-hmm. it. I did say, I think the movie's too long, but not because of these reasons. Um, but I, I appreciate, again, I appreciate just the way it's finding ways to incorporate stuff that regardless of how much it matters to me as a non D and D player, it feels like it makes sense for this movie to have those things probably honors the game in a way that'll be appreciated by people that play the game and then still like allows the film to stand up on its own as far as just having stuff that will make these side quests feel vital in some way. I agree. I don't, I, I guess I would take issue with the term board game. Cause I don't think of D and D as a board game. It's, it's whatever, a tabletop RPG. <laughs> it's sort of oh, whatever the dungeon master comes up with. There are, <laughs> it's not like they're just cards you play that have right. limited rules. So I, this isn't magic. The gathering Abe. <laughs> well, I tapped this sand Aaron and now you're being stuck. <laughs> But yeah, one of the, I mean, one of the things I, you know, even though I didn't play D&D, I did a lot of the uh, fighting fantasy books, which are sort sure. of like choose your own adventure, but with a D&D dice system. Uh-huh. Uh, so I played a lot of those. And That's pretty cool. yeah, part of that whole thing was you'd find all sorts of magic objects that would do amazing things. And you'd sort of dream as a kid, why can't I find one of these in the wild? Maybe one day I will. And gosh, I hope, you know, I can find the ring of teleportation or the magic pearl that gives me invulnerability. Uh, so I, yeah, I think they did it about right without overdoing it, yeah. but may, and the way that one portal fails, if you put it flat to a smooth surface and then you have to pry it up and become a worm, I thought that was very clever. I thought that was pretty clever too, because yeah. I thought the logic about it was like, well, what if you just like jump through it? Couldn't you, couldn't your force move it up? It's like, no, that the mirror is facing down. So you cannot do that. So pretty clever stuff. Um, question around the humor for this. There was uh, John Francis Daly and also Jonathan Goldstein. They've, they've like what Aaron mentioned, they did a pass for Homecoming and uh, they've written a lot of various things. Um, I think they did a pass for The Flash as well. Um, they were going to direct The Flash for a bit. Oh, wow. Okay. And then they, they didn't. Yeah. But what'd you guys think of the humor in this and also tied into that, the um, like some of the emotional beats in this? Well, the humor, the, the important thing about the humor is that it doesn't discredit the world or make the world seem silly and that it never did i think the you know the sequence where they're talking to corpses and you know they cast a spell to ask five questions and waste them before they get them so they keep having to do new ones i saw a review i and i wish i could cite the source to give them credit that compared that to a marx brothers moment and it really is so Mm -hmm. it's very smart humor that works within the somewhat arbitrary rules of D&D where things could only go for a certain number of turns. And uh, <laughs> it's so clever that the clip they first showed of that uh, in advance of the movie's release really helped sell me on the tone. And mm-hmm. of course, obviously they made it the mid-credits payoff. So 
yeah, I think I think that sequence is brilliant, and the way the rest of it fits just fits the tone. These are people who would crack wise. They are, in the case of the leads, drunks who joke all the time. Uh, it's completely, I think, in character and very and you know. And I don't have anything else to add. I would just, I would, well, <laughs> I just, point, but it's faded. I, I would support what Luke said because I agree. It, it's not embarrassed of its own material. That's mm-hmm. the that's the strongest thing it could be doing. Um, the because yeah, I think the second you start pandering to people that are, I guess, averse to Dungeons and Dragons for the sake of getting not non ironic or just like ironic laughs or whatever you want to call it, that's when the movie's going to lose me. And this yeah. movie feels very much like it's respected by the people that made it, um, which is huge. Uh, because and it's not like I suddenly dislike the humor of Marvel movies, but there's a sense of like, uh, isn't this crazy, right? Um, where the, and that's not yeah. this, or movie. even like Shazam, where it's like I just punched a dragon. It's like I, I, I just saw it, man. <laughs> yeah, there's just bad, some bad lines. I mean, I, I think Shazam is similarly not embarrassed of the fact that Shazam is just silly. <laughs> like this uh-huh. is, I, I think this is taking almost taking pride in the fact that it's like, yeah, we're a Dungeons and Dragons movie. Look at this magic shit. And it's like, <laughs> okay, great. Uh, I'm, I'm happy you're embracing this in that way. So it, yeah, I do think, I think the, the humor comes from a place that feels right for these people. And then on the counter side of that, or at least on the other side of that one, comes the emotional right. s- standpoint of it. I I think you meant to say I agree. I got wrapped up in the stakes presented in a mom, in moments where I cared about what was going on and felt for the results of those situations. Mm-hmm. I would also say compared to the humor of the 2000 movie where you have Lee Arenberg as a quote unquote dwarf who's six feet tall and is going, Rawr, dwarf women have beards. <laughs> light years beyond that. Yeah. Uh, my last question here is, Aaron, you mentioned the box office here, and we'll see if it has legs. But again, fairly positive score. Were there plans to do more, or is it more just uh, we'll wait and see? I mean, with anything like this, it's always a mix of wait and see, and we signed you for three movies, so we'll see what happens that situation. Yeah, yeah. I don't necessarily know that they're being true for all of this, but I assume that the people in this movie are signed on to continue being in these were they to make them. Sure. And, and in that regard, the best thing I could say is I'd be happy to see another movie with this cast again. Yeah, yeah. Seconded. Um, we did talk at all about uh, Rick and John Page, but um, where are we with this guy? <laughs> I, I like I, him as an actor. I like him as this role, not the role in The Gray Man. Uh, where it's like, yes, I use your charm for something. You know what I mean? Use your charm and wit to be the uh, the non ironical Drax type of humor kind of guy. Because uh, I could see why why you were trying, you and your team were trying to make you go for Bond. But you know, when you're making things like the Gray Man, where it's like it's not great. Uh, you know, those movies don't help you out. This movie does, where it's like, oh, this guy is ironical. He kind of shows up, becomes a badass for a few scenes, and then he he kind of goes away. That's this is where I'm at too. Where like I don't know this guy from mud. I don't want. I didn't watch Bridgerton, yeah. so like I don't know him from there. I the first time I saw this guy was on Saturday Night Live, and I'm like, this guy's got some charm. I like what these guys doing. He's funny. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, cool. Gray Man comes out, and it's like this is not good. Yeah. Like, this is this is this is the the, the worst version of what I could be seeing. Right. To support me in this scenario where I'm like, who could be another bod? Because like, yeah, I see. It was like that makes sense. 
Um, so this movie brought me right back over to it because I'm like, yeah, he's good here. Like, and, and I like that he's in it just enough. I like right. that he's not like a major character. He's a character for a chunk in the middle and then we get him out of there. Right. Like, I feel like given the type of character he plays, I think that's a very wise choice. Yeah. So just wait for a sequel where he's in it like the whole time. Like, ah, come on. Um, but, <laughs> but for the time being, before they sign up a sequel and I assume bring Joe Manganiello on here, um, I, I am the noted noted D and D player, right? Yeah. Um, Vin Diesel also. Vin, Vin Diesel, I assume, will like be all over the next one the second he can. The second yeah. he's done with fast movies, but I could be the D and D. Um, but I I was happy with 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 Ricky John Page. Luke, any any thoughts on his Paladin character? Well, yeah, I mean, I especially the fact that he embodies the type of player who is super anal about keeping to the rules. Yeah. Whereas you have, you know, Michelle Rodriguez's character is the person who just wants to get to all the battles and the story. And then, you know, the other character, you have other characters who prefer different aspects of the game. So I will say I enjoyed The Gray Man. Uh, I don't have any problem with that, <laughs> that movie. So uh, I've pretty steadily liked him, although I thought it was, a, I thought, you know, having him as, I, I believe he was the villain in The Gray Man and not. Yeah, he as plays a, like a not, CIA. not as not as Bond like, but yeah, he's like a really, Brian Cox and Born Identity kind of exactly yeah. sitting behind the table the whole time, but like shouting orders. I mean, considering the Bond pattern tends to be that it's someone who's famous from TV that they bring up to movies. The fact that he was in Bridgerton as this completely suave guy totally makes sense that he would be in the running. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I was I was actually surprised. He was not in this one more because the ads had sort of implied he was part of the party and also that Hugh Grant was as well. So it's a nice, it was a nice little bit of a surprise, even though, you know, well, at Superhero Hype, we are pretty much obliged to post every promotional video that comes out. So I've seen, so before Dungeons and Dragons, I'd seen so many clips because there was a point where they were posting a new one a day and emailing me about it to say, here's our new clip. Uh, it, they've spoiled a whole lot of the movie, but it was completely out of order. Mm-hmm. So in that way, it wasn't as much of a spoiler, but I was surprised how he was not part of the main party, how Hugh Grant was not part of the main party. And it works. Uh, he might, you know, he might've been more irritating as part of the main party, but like I said, he is like that player in the group who wants to stick to the rules all the time. And even I think, not just in D&D, but in certain workplaces, I think all of us have been, or certain professional groups, perhaps, there always is that one character. And they're not as funny in real life, but from a distance, they're funny. But they're usually smoldering all the time, right? That's, that's yeah. part of it. Yeah. Yes, it's all the time. We haven't talked about any of the creatures that much in this at all. And there's there's a few notable ones. I mean, and for one thing, we got a big fat dragon. Um <laughs> Featured prominently, but also there's like a really cool. Aaron, what a great year for dragons! We got a wooden dragon one, and then like oh, now I'm, a fat dragon. I'm all about it. They and they restored they restored um dragon slayers. I'm like, yeah, give me all the dragons. Like I'm I'm all for this. Does, um, does, by my count in this one. Does uh does that does Dead Reckoning have a dragon? <laughs> so, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Part one, or maybe they'll save part two. The desolation of Tom. Um, <laughs> but uh, rides a dragon. Yeah, <laughs> but um. Uh, along with that, there's also like a really cool like panther thing with like dual tails and cool uh, displacer beast. Was what, what? Sorry, the displacer beast. Displacer beast. Yeah. Is that that you know that was the second thing I was going to call it before I. Aaron, said cool, did cool you panther. get PTSD from your uh, uh, your stingray stuff? <laughs> no, not not quite. But um, 
<laughs> you know, when you see a chest with a big tongue come out of it, like that gives me all kinds of creepy yeah, feelings right. as well. But you guys like the were there any standout creatures for you? Did you like the big fat dragon or anything like that? <laughs> There's the way just the way that you describe big fat dragon. I was like, big yeah, fat dragon. It's pretty yeah. You ever, did you see big fat dragon back in the day with uh, 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 Paul Giamatti and Breaking Mutas? <laughs> big fat dragon. I think I was a big fat liar. <laughs> you I have your like version the, unique, <laughs> the unique to D and D creatures were pretty cool, and I'm. I've only sort of absorbed these by osmosis, but the mimic, which was the treasure chest with fangs, and the gelatinous cube are very yeah D and D specific. So right. it was cool to see those. That whole that of- whole scenario, I was like, this must be a gold mine for players or people that watch. Like the when they got to like the center of it, and there's like a group of characters in like specifically colored costumes. Like that has to be like a reference to like a show or some kind. Like they're, yeah, they're sure like kind of just like in it's, cosplay to be honest. It's a reference but, to the 80s cartoon. It's the 80s cartoon yeah. characters. Yeah. I found I, I quickly found that out when I did a little research when I got it. I was like, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> like, I like that I was able to recognize that without knowing right. this at all. Anyway, Luke, I'm sorry. I, cut you off. I was just saying that's the 80s cartoon characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually I grew you know I hated the 80s cartoon. I thought it was really stupid at the time. <laughs> I know a lot of fans really like it. A lot of people I know who are into D&D are into like every iteration, even the bad 2000 movie and its follow-ups they Mm -hmm. like just because it's the lore. And, you know, I get that. Like I was saying earlier with WrestleMania and WWE, I've been with it through the bad times and the good times. So Mm -hmm. I like some of the terrible stuff that comes out of a particular fandom. Yeah. So I get it. But yeah, the D&D specific creatures I think are cool. And there's one you know, that they're probably saying for a sequel called a Xanathar. That's like a, a floating ball with a bunch of eyes that big okay. trouble in little kind of did a version of. Yeah. Um, things like that, I, re- I think, are really cool. Yeah. And I was glad there were pe- there were multiple dragons, even though there's mainly just one. There's another one that's a statue, and then there's one in flashback that spits acid. That's a good point. Uh, yeah, that's right. There's, there's not a lot of dungeons or dragons in this dungeon and dragons. But there <laughs> are, more, but there are more than one, so it makes the title accurate. There's more than one dungeon, and there's more than one dragon. Yeah, right. they, yeah, they got me there. Uh, <laughs> but I would, I would maybe like to see more dragons, but. Uh, Certainly the wife thought the fat dragon was kind of cute. So yeah, I thought he was kind of funny too. And you know, just him rolling around, sliding and eating people. That was a fun little little uh, uh wrinkle in the way that you can describe dragons. I like how he knew his limits. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he knew his limits. He like he didn't want to go too far. Uh but no, in terms of like additional creatures, um, I don't yeah, again like the cube thing, I don't know if that's a creature, but that certainly was a really cool sequence. And I did like just the people that are sitting on the council waiting for them to approve his his parole. Or oh, yeah. Where it's just like, I don't even know what that is. It's like a... It's uh, a Jonathan. A Jonathan is like... The, a jo- the weird, it's a Jonathan. Like, yeah. yeah, that's like the weird, like, uh, got the wings. But the, there's like another, like, dragon-ish looking creature, too. Um, and I was like, these are really cool uh, practical effects. They, they, they look really, really good. So... Yeah. Yeah. Any other thoughts on Dungeons and Dragons? Yes, two. My my final two thoughts are: uh, I want to believe that that was Carlos the dwarf that gets killed in the maze, um, uh, and then my other thought is that I I I can't. I need somebody to confirm this, but I can't tell if that was a game of joust when that little kid is like hurting those little those little birds across the, the screen um, as they're riding toward the uh, the the castle. So, yeah, two little Easter eggs. All right. I'll have to look again. I'm sure I'll get to review the Blu-ray at some point. So. There you go. Okay. Well, with all that said, Dungeons & Dragons currently out in theaters. When should people go and see this movie, Luke? Uh, see it now. Um, 
quick as you can because it's probably going to get dislodged from the good screens by Mario very quickly. Abe? Yeah, definitely go see this in theaters. I was kind of upset that one theater near me was not playing this in their main room. And yes, I've been to the theater enough times to know which number is their main room. Uh, and because it was still playing John Wick 4. And so I am kind of bummed about that. But at least I went to go to the other theater to go check it out in one of the larger screens. So yeah, see this in theaters. Yeah, I agree. I think this is a theater-worthy movie. Just good matinee fun, I would say. Um, does the job as far as delivering a just a fun fantasy adventure film, which mm-hmm. is a uh, nice to get. I'm I'm, gl- I'm glad this Dungeons and Dragons movie worked out. <laughs> like, yes, there's a, yes, there's yeah. a version of this where it's just a really cheap cash grab or whatever that just sucks, and you're right. like, of course it did. And it's like, no, this is actually pretty good. So right. good on them. All right. Well, that's been our review of Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Among Thieves. Abe, what a uh, what time is it now? Aaron, I think it might be. Aaron, I think it might be time for a quick game here. Little known fact: when uh, he puts the helmet on, Justice Winslow, Justin, Justice Smith, Justice Winslow is a basketball player. Justice Smith puts the helmet on. That's the sound that plays. Yeah, not yeah. the loot though. I, I refuse to do loot songs. No, yeah, you didn't. You didn't get enough money for that. So that's the reason. Yeah. First game here is called Dungeons or Dragons. This is where I will read you guys an IMDb description. If Names you know of prisons. And you have to tell us if it's a dungeon or a dragon. <laughs> no, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> Buzz in with your name if you know the title of the movie. Full title, please. Uh, from this IMDb description. This is the first uh, of the second game here. Uh, so let's go. Uh, a Shaolin martial artist travels to an island fortress to spy on an opium lord. Who is Aaron. A for- Aaron. Enter the dragon. Enter the dragon is correct. Okay. Next one here. A young man named Farmer sets out to rescue his kidnapped wife and avenge the death of his son, who who acts. <laughs> yes, Aaron. Aaron. I do not know the full title, but I will try. Okay. <laughs> um. Uh, well, a dun- a dungeon siege tale, I believe, is like that is the the second half of it. Yes. Yeah. What's the first part? <laughs> In the name of the king. There it is. There it is. <laughs> All you guys both a point for that okay. <laughs> teamwork. I knew it's some like ridiculous sometimes. Like, if like, you guys, it's, yeah, exactly. Oh, it's like, In the name of the, the king. game is just dungeon siege. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and his name is Farmer, which kills me. Yeah, I know. I was like, why is it just Farmer? Uh, next one here. Journalist Mikkel Bloomquist is aided in his search for Luke. Luke. Girl with the dragon tattoo. That is correct. The next one here. A hapless young Viking who aspires to hunt dragons becomes the unlikely... Oh, Luke. Luke. How to train your dragon. How to train your dragon is correct. Viking, got it. (laughs) The next one here. In New York City, a young man searches for a master to obtain the, the final level of martial arts mastery known as the GLOW. Aaron. Aaron. The last dragon? The last dragon is correct. <laughs> uh, the next one here. A young Chinese warrior steals a sword from a famed swordsman and then escapes into the world of romantic adventure with a mysterious man in the frontier of the nation. I'm clearly a dungeon movie. <laughs> Are you sure about that? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Read this a again. Young, a young Chinese warrior steals a sword from a famed swordsman and then escapes into the world of romantic adventure with this mysterious man in the frontier of the nation. 
Dungeon or dragon? Chinese warrior, but I don't know what. What am I thinking? Chinese warrior, sword, swordsman. Uh huh. Sword, swordsman. Name of the sword. Is it called Sword of the Dragon? No, that'd be hilarious. (laughs) The name of the sword is the Green Destiny. Oh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yes! Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. That doesn't sound like the plot of the movie. Yeah, the way you phrase that is... the way I I didn't write it. (laughs) The way you specifically wrote it was terrible. (laughs) Yeah, guy who wrote it. (laughs) Last one here. Profion, a tyrant, attempts to overthrow a peaceful kingdom ruled by a tough empress. Sorry, Profion? Profion. What pharmacy do you get Profion at? (laughs) Uh, the one over on Melrose, obviously. Uh, say this again. Profion, a tyrant, attempts to overthrow a peaceful kingdom ruled by a tough empress. Uh, hand... may include dragons. What's that? Side effects may include dragons. This is true. Yeah, exactly. Consult <laughs> your doctor before taking. Uh, here's a clue. Mm-hmm. We talked about it earlier this episode. Slayer? Dragon Slayer is not it. <laughs> But we talked about the other one. Somebody yeah. may have done a really good impression that we had mixed results. Mixed, mixed Aaron. Aaron. Dungeons and Dragons? Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> is correct. Uh, you guys are tied 4-4, four, four, so this is the last one here. Oh, good. <laughs> In the Far East, Alex O'Connell, the son of famed mummy fighter. Aaron. Aaron. <laughs> the mummy, colon, tomb of the dragon emperor. That is correct. Uh, it's not none of the claims you can't remember that title. I, I'd argue it's very easy to remember that title. <laughs> Wait, who said that they cannot? Scott Mendelson. He's like, I can't ever remember the name of the third Mummy movie. And I'm like, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. That's a very easy title to remember in my book. Yeah, but you know, you've got, you know, just I a bet, lot of. I bet he remembers exactly how much money it made every single <laughs> yeah, exactly. Time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Take that, Scott. <laughs> uh, this next game is called Top Four. This is where I will go or I will ask you guys. What you guys think the top four movies or television shows of the starring actors in uh, Dungeons and Dragons, colon, Honor Among Thieves is. So we're going to have a practice round because this person doesn't have a great filmography just yet. But Reggae Jean Page, uh, the top four. What do you think the top four, Luke, are for Reggae Jean Page? And you get a point for each right answer. And again, this um, is just for this is just for practice. So, are 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 these all theatrical? Like, does Gray Man count? Be, yeah, it could be. It, it could be straight be to Netflix as well. But TV series, Netflix, and theatrical movies, or even directed TV movie. Uh, TV series counts as well. Yep. Yeah, TV series counts as well. Bridgerton. Yep. The okay. Gray Man. The Gray Man. And I don't honestly know anything else he's done. No worries. That's why those. this is for practice. Uh, you got so, one point worth Bridgerton. So, Aaron, what do you think the other three are? Well, Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. Um, <laughs> exactly. That's, this is why this is for practice. So, no worries. Um, I really want to get this, but I, I can't think of anything else. Well, so. Bridgerton's the only one that you probably would have gotten because the other three are Roots, the remake of Roots, uh-huh. For the People, and Sylvie's Love. So, oh, are- Sylvie's Love. That's the other, that is the thing I did. Okay. Yeah. That was Reggae Jean Page. Uh, we go we go into the real game now. So again, I cannot tell you if you got it right or wrong as you answer it. I'll tell you right or wrong after you answer it. But Luke, because you are the guest, uh, what do you think the top four movies or TV shows are for Hugh Grant? For Hugh Grant, uh, let's see, four weddings and a funeral. Okay. Um, Paddington Two. 
Okay. Hmm. Uh, Notting Hill. Okay. Ah, what else? Blanking on a lot of Hugh Grant stuff right now. Ugh. What else has Hugh Grant done? <laughs> I, God, I should, one more. I shouldn't, I shouldn't even be asking this, but probably a damn romantic comedy. Uh, <laughs> no, it's uh, the man that went up the hill. Oh, oh uh, Love Actually. Love Actually, okay. You got three points. Damn it. <laughs> Four Weddings and a Funeral, Notting Hill, and Love Actually, not Paddington 2. Aaron, for one point, what do you think the last one is? This makes it very difficult because I have to narrow this down. It certainly but does. I'm, but I'm going to say about a boy. That is correct. That is yes! Correct. Yes! Wow. <laughs> That's a rare example of audience taste there. I didn't realize that had done so well. I'm very happy getting that right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This next one here. Aaron, you get to go first. Uh-huh. Michelle Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. Heard of her. Yes. Yeah. Heard of her. <laughs> Top four. Okay, so which Fast and Furious movie? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, well, it helps that she's she died for a bit, so she's not in like two of them, uh, or three of them actually. Um, oh gosh, would it be like the biggest one? The okay, well, it could be two of them. Okay, so I'm gonna say the Fast and the Furious. Yeah, the first one. But then, do you go no articles? Or do you just skip to seven. Or even six. Gosh, I'm going to say Furious 7. Okay. And now do you keep with this or do you go somewhere else? <laughs> this is really tricky. <laughs> does she register enough at Avatar? Does that does that, does that that do it for IMDb? And sometimes they do very recent things. Yeah, I know. It's, but she's always yeah. on the new Avatar. It doesn't matter there. <laughs> I'm going to need two more. I know. Uh, uh, well, it's not going to be... would be girl fight. That'd be weird. <laughs> I'm going to say Avatar... Which okay, Avatar okay. Yeah, the one she's in. Yeah, yeah. And um, <laughs> um, fuck it, Resident Evil. Okay, you got two points. It's Fast and Furious. Fast and the Furious and Furious Seven. Okay, Luke, for two points, what do you think the other two are? Wow, Avatar didn't count, huh? No, it did not. And neither did Girl Fight. I didn't say Girl. Fight. I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I will. I'm going to go with um, Fast and Furious 7 and Fast and Furious 9. Fast and Furious that? 7 was already said by oh, Aaron. Oh, okay. So. So, so Fate of the Furious then and okay. uh, Fanine. <laughs> Fate of the Furious and Fanine. Unfortunately, you got zero points. The final two are Fast and Furious okay. 6 oh. and SWAT. Well, you're either SWAT or you're not. You're either SWAT or you're not. <laughs> You're not, guys. I would have guessed Blue Crush over SWAT. Oh, how could I forget the cardinal rule of SWAT? You're either SWAT or you're not. Luke, you hey. gotta go first in this next one. Uh, Chris Pine. Okay. It's uh, not in one... SWAT, so don't worry okay, about that. So... <laughs> so Wonder Woman and Star Trek are gimmies. Wonder Woman and one. Star Trek. Okay, I need two more. Um God, do I go with the obvious ones on this one or not? Uh, I'll say Wonder Woman 1984. Okay. I need one more. And uh, Jack Ryan. Okay. You got two of them. Star Trek and Wonder Woman. Okay. 
It's okay. two for Luke. Aaron, what do you think the other two are? Ooh. All right. Well, we knocked out a few, so that's good. But what would they be? Chris Pine. It's not going to be smoking aces. <laughs> I was like, he's got a long filmography. <laughs> it does. I'm going to throw a hell or high water in there. All right. Um, That's got like INDB geek cred. That'll do something for him, I think. <laughs> and probably not horrible bosses too. <laughs> um, a movie written by John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein. Um, Star Trek Beyond. Okay. What was the first one you said? Hell or high water. Hell or high water. Yeah. You got one point. You got Star Trek Beyond. Is the last darkness? one was Star Trek Into Darkness. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I got one of them. So I'm you happy. got one of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Luke, you get to go. Or Luke, you went first for Chris Pine. So Aaron, you get to go first in this next one here. Justice Smith. Justice Smith. Um, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Thank you for the full title. Well, I mean, I got a full title. Yeah. I mean, there's multiple, so yeah. Exactly. I can't give you any clues. Um, speaking of clues, Detective Pikachu. Okay. <laughs> um, my clues. Um, I still have that audio clip saved. <laughs> my clues. Um, I think you've had enough copy. Um, would they throw? I mean, I'll say the get down. Okay. Um, Netflix CDs. Just because I like him on the get down. Yeah. Um, it will be the fourth one. Is there another big stupid thing he's in that I don't remember? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'll just say this. I'll say Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. You got two points. Okay. Jurassic World, Colon, Fallen Kingdom, and Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Okay. Luke, what do you think the final two are for Justice Smith? Did we say Jurassic World Dominion? We did not yep. say the Jurassic World Dominion. All right, then let's let's say that. And uh, okay. the only one other one I can think of is Ron's Gone Wrong. Ron's Gone Wrong. Okay. <laughs> uh, Luke, unfortunately, you got zero points there. The other two are Paper Towns, which oh. is a big dumb movie, like what Aaron was talking about. Okay, yeah, there it is. <laughs> and this movie called All the Bright Places. All the what? Bright Places. Yeah, which apparently is, you know, a Netflix movie. <laughs> With uh, with oh, uh, that's with L. Fanning. Fanning? Yeah, yeah exactly. okay. It's a teen drama thing. Yeah. yeah. So unfortunately, Luke, you have zero points there. Okay, we move into uh, <laughs> the, the Net- last. The Netflix person. hive broke out for Justice Smith. Yeah. <laughs> Moving to the last person here. Uh, okay, because Luke, you're losing five to six right now. This is the last one. You get to go first in this one. Okay. Also his turn. Sophie Ellis. Sophie Lillis Ellis. Sophia Lillis. Sophia Lillis. Uh, <laughs> well, it is the obvious one. It. That's the, you know. Okay. Sorry, Sophia. Obvious... I, I got, I don't know if I want to say it chapter two. That has... the, the, the logic worked for Chris Pine, but not some of the others. So uh... I like your logic here. I like your thinking. Uh, I will okay. I'll say it chapter two. Are you sure about that? <laughs> Do that. Well, I don't know enough <laughs> Sophia Lillis movies that I think I have. Okay, to. all right, okay. Uh, I'll say Dungeons and Dragons is a third one. Okay, and uh, Uncle Frank is number four. Those are the only movies Uncle I Frank. think I know her in. Wow. Okay, so you got three points. Damn. <laughs> it it chapter two and Dungeons and Dragons. Aaron, do you know the last Sophia Lillis movie? I'm sorry, Sophia. 
Well, it's not SWAT or Uncle Frank, apparently. No, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Gretel and Hansel. That is correct. <laughs> okay, that's the other thing I think of her. <laughs> yeah, that is correct. That it was either is... that or like the HBO show Sharp Objects, but I'm like, well, it's probably not that. So uh, who knows? It, it could have been. It was. But <laughs> that concludes uh, top four. With the the last stroke there, uh, Luke, you are the winner of this game. Wow, eight to seven. Awesome. God, he got the he got three out of two, four. Exactly, yeah. He it's got crucial. three out of the four. Yeah. So we both won. You technically you guys both won, yeah. Yes, we did. Games. <laughs> exactly. Well, that was games. Good job, Luke. High five. High five. <laughs> what? Virtual. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Well, hey, thanks for that game. That was fun. That yeah, was you're good welcome. stuff. And remember, you're the swatty or not. I can't believe you forgot that. Yeah. Also, the other cardinal rule, sometimes doing the right thing, I'm doing the right thing. <laughs> um, Shout out so, to Jeremy Renner. We hope he's doing well. So that's really good. <laughs> like slot. I'm still debating to call that audible and collateral. Replacement who's, uh, who's the bad guy in that? Like Josh? Uh... Well, it's Jeremy Renner. It's the twist is that Jeremy Renner's involved. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Olivier, Olivier um, what's his face? Yeah, um, I know. Uh, but there's like an inside guy too, Josh, something from... Um... Oh yeah, what's his name from? Yeah, from, from Dead Poets Society, from Sports Night, Josh Charles. Yeah, yeah, Sports Night. Yeah, it's a good show. Olivia All Martinez right. is the like the the foreign one who's like one million dollars. Whoever brings me out, one million seems like it's too low, but yeah, I get what, it. But he says it really slow though. Yeah, one exactly. million dollars. Yeah, oh, y'all remember way too much about that movie. <laughs> it's been a staple of the show for a while. They land an airplane on the Fourth Street Bridge because <laughs> it's wide enough. Hello, cool. Just takes off your shirt, starts dancing. It is the theme song to a show that does not exist because <laughs> they're in, in that the world. Yeah, song. exactly. Todd right. Jim Street. <laughs> so Sam Jackson, they only, they only roll in John Woo movies. That's a good line. All right. Let's go to some about now feedback. Be back, be back, be back. Let's work over the, some of the various questions and answers on our Facebook page. Facebook.com says that podcast. We have a number of questions to listeners and they gave us some answers. Luke, feel free to jump in any uh, time you want to here. First question here is, what are some other board games you like to see turn into a movie? Michael uh, de Saint-Georges writes 13 Dead End Drive. Oh, Murder yes. That's my wife's favorite. I play that Whoa. all the time. There you so, go. Yeah. Murder mystery game that could make for an interesting and fun movie. Or, he writes, Candyland. Uh, Philip has Parcheesi, directed by Wes Anderson. <laughs> uh, 13 Dead End Drive. Okay, I, I'm going to have to look, look this one up, Luke. No, 13 Dead End Drive is like Clue, except everybody kills each other. Yeah. That's... Oh, amazing. What, what what would a Candyland movie be? Like, I'm curious what this would I be. I mean, you know, you just, it, it, it's 13 minutes long, and you just, <laughs> you just have a fun time going through the land. Okay. And there is a director whose last name actually is Candyland, so he has to make it. There some... you go, yeah. And the thing is, like, you know, you can't say Candyland three t- five times, or else something bad happens. All right, well. What's your preferred Dean class of D&D character? Uh, Philip writes a paladin, and Jordan Grout, friend of the show, writes Pudgy Dragon. <laughs> Jordan Grout, by the way, huge fan of this film. He's seen it five times so far. Five times? Yes. How much time do you have in a week? He saw, like, a sneak preview, then he saw it, like, again, and then he saw it, like, two more times, and he said he might see it again. So wow. <laughs> he really likes this movie a lot. Uh, you have a preferred class for D&D characters? Hmm. No, I was always a fighter, but uh, no, not really. Hey, you want me to uh, read the classes for you? I'm looking at them right now, okay, and good. to be honest, like I don't know what any. I guess I'd be, I'd want to either be a rogue or a sorcerer. So, all right. 
They already give me a monk title, though, I guess. I'm big on this bard character. I think that'd be fun. A bard? Yeah, that yeah, sounds bard. like a fun guy. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, the next question here is, who are some fun adventure duos in non-modern day set movies? Philip has Indy and his dad in Indiana Jones and Last Crusade, and Henry Cavill and Army Hammer in The Man from Uncle. That's a, yeah, that's a good fun duo. I mean, on the Army Hammer tip, I'd say The Lone Ranger. I. It's a hard movie to watch now, knowing what you know about Army Hammer and Johnny Depp, but mm-hmm. it was great at the time. Yeah, the wrong characters eat human hearts in that movie. Uh, <laughs> uh, fun adventure duos, non-modern times. Um, uh, I'd throw in, um, I mean, I guess it's it's non-modern because it's set in the 70s, and they're having an adventure in, yep. in Los Angeles because it'd be Rack Gosling and and uh, Russell Crowe, <laughs> the nice oh, guys. The, those nice boys. Yeah, the nice boys. Yeah, <laughs> Kirk and uh, Spock. Kirk and Spock. Got to go save those whales. Piacon. That'd be a really fun tie. Anything for me, Aaron? I'm trying to think of something. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying. I think of, I keep thinking of like one. Uh, or like groups Ooh. like the Musketeers. I can't think of like a duo uh, <laughs> and that hasn't been like named. I don't know. If I think I'll yell it. Yeah. All right. Next question we have. What's your favorite Hugh Grant role? Jordan Grout from the show writes Paddington 2. The only right answer. I'm sorry, but it is. Oh. Chris has. Well, Paddington 2 is probably the right answer, but he's also awesome in The Gentleman. And Philip remembers that Hugh Grant had more movies that extend beyond the past few years and write Sense and Sensibility. <laughs> yeah. He's got quite the filmography. I'm going to throw this out there. I really like Kimmy Love, actually. I think he's as like, the prime minister. As the prime minister. Yeah. I think the, the attitude he has, it's such like a, it's like, a, it's just like the, the remainder of what he's brought to the other, like, those British rom-coms and mm-hmm. like it's just kind of turned into this ball of charm that goes into love actually that I think is really like I think he's legit great in About a Boy mm-hmm. like that should that could have easily been a best actor nomination he's wonderful at Four Weddings and a Funeral let alone the Merchant Ivory stuff he's in but love actually is just such a fun performance watching yeah. him be in so I just really like sticking up for that one. Yeah he's got to like you know keep up with like you know the Prime Minister role but he's also in love the Tony Blair we wish we had. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basically, yeah. <laughs> it's this idealized version that's just really fun. Uh, I'm going to say uh, voice acting in Pirate Band of Misfits. Pirates! Yeah. Of Misfits, that's, like a good one. that's a good pick. And just thank, thank you for per- cor- correctly pronouncing the title. Yeah. Anything from you, uh, Luke? Uh, four Weddings and a Funeral. Ah, it's the okay. obvious star-making breakthrough one, ah, but yeah. uh, it's that way for a reason. Yeah, helped you get a point too, uh, in the games. <laughs> uh, that's the well, that's the main reason. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the next question here: What are some notable films featuring shapeshifters? Irene writes X Men: First Class and Terminator Two: Judgment Day. Chris has uh, the new movie Luca and the old movie The Thing. Okay, and Philip has Wolf Children, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, and The Wolfman. Shapeshifters. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid is not a shapeshifter, but it's a duo from Adventure. <laughs> oh, okay. I was like, wait a minute. Who shapeshifts in that movie? You remember that scene? <laughs> like Paul Newman must have like really done a good job. It's one of the ways to get away from LaFour is they shapeshift. <laughs> this makes sense. He turns into a carriage. Um, notable films with shapeshifters. 
I like some of these modern calls like Terminator 2. That's idea. That's that's yeah, solid. That's um, I mean the good ones are because I don't it's like I could say Willow, but like I don't love Willow. It's just a movie I know has shapeshifters in it. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> um what else we got? Let's see. I'm gonna go outside the box and say Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the way the improbability drive shapeshifts the starship and the whale and the bowl of geraniums. There you go. That's good. A lot of whale talk this week. Let's see. Well, I mean, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. Mechagodzilla is disguised as Godzilla for a good portion of the movie. So, I mean, got his ass. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly. <laughs> that's what the Japanese guys say at the ground. Oh, they got, got his ass. Got his ass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was actually at a Walmart once and I overheard this conversation where they're looking at this guy showing off the action figures in the collector aisle to his girlfriend. And he goes, Fun fact, Godzilla's bra- his brain is in his ass. Godzilla's brain is in his ass. Wow. Such such knowledge being shared at Walmart. From a heavily accented man. <laughs> All right. Uh, next question. Who are some notable evil sorcerers in film? Hmm. Brandon Peters, friend of the show, writes Emperor Palpatine from Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> yes. Very specific. Specific, yeah. <laughs> uh, Chris writes Lopan, uh, aka James Hong in Big Trouble Little China, mm-hmm. and Warlock, played by Julian Sands in Warlock. Oh, okay. And uh, Philip writes Saruman, the yeah. White. Yeah, he's got some some evil sorcering going on. Do you think Saruman the White was all upset when Gandalf came back and he was Gandalf? The White? 100%. Like, That's my thing. What? Yeah, because he's like, wait a minute. <laughs> Why'd you why'd you steal my my uh, my thunder here, guy? <laughs> I mean, I think this is time to bring back the Jeremy Irons impersonation from two thousand. <laughs> but please do it as Scar. Let the let the blood rain from the sky. <laughs> All right, yeah, this is pretty good. Respected, saluted. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see it, but there's a, a gang of hyenas just walking in a line. <laughs> great lyric because yeah. he, just, he just demolishes those lines so well he chews them up and spits yeah. them out into the green sludge in the elephant graveyard what can i say man that's a that's a good movie so evil sorcerers uh yeah i think we named all of them oh did we did we, did we cover that base <laughs> yeah we got all of them we got all of them how about uh, maleficent uh not the not the angelina jason lee one she's a fairy that's not quite the same. No, oh, okay. Well, evil fairy sorcerer. <laughs> I think the fairies will take take umbrage to that. Anyone that's turning into a dragon doesn't feel like they're not an evil sorcerer. <laughs> is that my book? I don't know. Well, yeah. If you guys name any more, let us know. Voldemort. Um, how about that? Is that is that good? <laughs> he's more of like a magician. <laughs> I don't know. No, I don't know. We've just pissed off the Harry Potter crowd. Uh, the last question here. What are some cool magic spells you've seen in movies? Nobody wrote anything, so it's all up to us. Um, super um, cleanup powers in The Sorcerer's Apprentice. <laughs> Does he say something for that? He just waves his hands around and happens. Okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, every version of The Sorcerer's Apprentice, that one holds. Yeah. Right. And it's a cool magic spell. Yeah, I'll get the brooms to clean for me. Why well, yeah. I need to push it around? He I'm a magic man. From, uh, he stole that from Mickey Mouse. Who was the original Sorcerer's... Well, not the original Sorcerer's Apprentice, but yeah, same same basic... Same story, same property. So yeah. This cleanup crew got out of hand. This cleanup crew got out of hand. 
Uh, yeah, cool magic spells. Um, hmm. Let me see. Cool magic spell. I mean, I like Expecto Patronum from Harry Potter because mm -hmm. it it sounds like you're summoning Patron Tequila, which is cooler <laughs> than what it actually is. Not a sponsor. Um, which we wish that they would. Uh, cool magic spells. Yeah, sure. You know when that guy casts that one spell and then it ricochets and whatever. Though. Yeah, all all of them, all of them are great. All of them are great. I can't just bibbity bobbity boo. Yeah, there That's you one. go. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's a great one. Whatever those magic balls did in Labyrinth. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Oh, what's, what's the one from Excalibur? Anal Nothrock Dothvis Biende. Well, don't say it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, Klatu Brata Nikto. Whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. That, what is it? That sci fi magic from the Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it got repurposed as fantasy magic. Club yeah. two, Barada. <laughs> yeah. Well, we can't. Uh, well, whatever, G, whatever genie's whatever genie's up to, you know, he's he's doing some magic. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's actually a cool magic spell. Prince Prince Ali. There, that yeah. the, that magic. All the, that came with all the all the fanfare. Yeah, it's got a lot of hoopla with it. It's a great song. All right. Well, that was okay. feedback, feedback, feedback. That was that feedback, and that's going to bring us to the end of this week's episode. Uh, you can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodezeat.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I write for We Live Entertainment and Why is the Blue, and I, I'm on Twitter, Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can, most of, you can find more of my stuff over my Instagram, abe.mua, and twitter.com slash walrusmoose, hashtag my sweet little ho-ho. Luke Thompson, where can people find more of your work online? Uh, well, I'm LYT Rules, L-Y-T-R-U-L-E-S on Twitter and Instagram. I can be found at the AV Club at kinja.lyt.com, uh, uh, superherohype.com, filmsgonewild.com, synagogues.com. And I now have a blog, too, at Blogger. So lytrules.blogspot.com. It's got no readers so far, but maybe one of you listeners can be the first. There you go. You can find all the other episodes of Out Now, Varian Name on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. SoundCloud, Podomatic, and HHWLOD. Feel free to email us at outnowpodcast.gmail.com. Or you can check out our Facebook, facebook.com slash Or you can check out our Twitter, twitter.com slash outnowpodcast. And our Instagram page, instagram.com slash outnowpodcast as well. And again, uh, iTunes video ratings. Good to get those. Uh, Luke, thank you very much for joining us this Thank evening. you, Luke. Thank you, guys. Always a pleasure. For sure. Uh, next week's show, we have, well, we have Super Mario Brothers coming out. There's also Air arriving as well. So we Heard will, of it. We will talk about both of those in some capacity soon enough. Uh, but that's going to do it for this week's episode. So until next time, so long. And goodbye. You need